Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Welcome to the show. Today we have the reigning, defending 185-pound middleweight champion of Art of War uh, cage fighting, um, Andre Petrosky on the show. Andre, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Luke. Hey, it's great. It's great to have you on the show. Um, it's been a while since I've seen you live. I'm now living out in Pittsburgh. You fight for Art of War, which is on the east side of Pennsylvania. I got to see some of your amateur fights and a couple of your early pro fights. But you had a huge pro win Friday uh, where you defended your 185-pound bout. And so I guess we'll just start with that. It was a second-round TKO against a really tough uh, pro at the time. who was 4-0 and um, and also a 9-0 and Amy. So it was his first loss in any MMA so kind of walk us through that fight. Um, so I knew that like he had won a lot of his fights based on wrestling mm-hmm. and um, which is uh, part of the reason we were very confident taking the fight um, mm-hmm. because obviously, I mean, I had a higher level of wrestling. Um, I, I knew he was, he was going to be like a tough, like, a tough, he was going to be in good shape, and it was going to be, like, hard to take his will, if that makes sense. Mm. Sure. Um, but as the fight went on, I think, like, you know, in the first round, he had his moments where he had, uh, you know, he had thrown some good combinations, and he connected on some good punches. But I felt like the moments that I had in the first round – were longer and like you know the combinations I landed always ended with that leg kick or you know started with the liver kick and like I felt mm-hmm. like those kicks were contributed to him like I, I could tell when when he started breaking and that's like a great feeling if <laughs> if you've never if you've never been in the cage or like in a fight that moment when you like they really show that they're like, they're starting to like break. It's like, that's what I fight for. That's like one of the best feelings in the world to take a man's fight from him. Yeah. And you started feeling that in the first round or was that more in the second round? Um, I think it was definitely the second round. Um, mm-hmm. I think like, so, I mean, I was definitely tired, you know, my my cardio was not all there for this fight, but mm. I came out. I, I really um, I really focused on like my body language, and I came out for that second round and like walked across, like really really um, mm-hmm. came at him when that bell rang, 
And I, I think that was like the start of like, like, Oh, this guy's not tired. And like, this is going to keep mm. going. And, uh, I landed like, um, another leg kick and, uh, and like a good left hand. And, uh, and then I landed a left hand where he backed up against the cage and I landed an uppercut. And that's when I knew it was pretty much over. Uh, he dove yeah. in on a shot and I knew he was hurt. And, um, and then once he was hurt, I was like, all right, I just need to stay calm and, and, uh, and finish this. Right. Absolutely. You bring that up. Um, not only the desperation shot that a lot of guys do when they're hurt, but also staying calm because, yeah. We've seen people uh, we've seen people at the highest level get too excited, obviously sensing the knockout and then leaving themselves exposed. So what did, what did staying calm look for you? Did you, did you uh, pick your shots or did you go for overwhelming? Did you back up and create space? How did you stay calm while you were finishing them off? So once he shot in, um, I finished all my fights on the ground. All my pro fights, five and all of them have been finished on the ground. So once mm -hmm. he shot in, um, you know, I didn't have any plans of, of getting it back to the fiat. My plan was to finishing it, finish it on the ground, but I knew mm -hmm. that like, I didn't want to rush the positions. Right. And like burn my arms out so that sure. when I get to the position I want to be in. So like, you know, without getting into it too much, I, I know the, <laughs> there, there's three positions on the ground that I want to get in. And like, you know, having his back was one of those three. And once I got, I knew that that position, one of those three positions was going to come if I was just patient and that like, mm -hmm. if I didn't squeeze too hard or get too excited that when I got to that position, I would be, I would have the energy to finish him. And that was kind of basically, it worked out perfectly because once I had his back, I, I was able to, I was really able to finish him. Well, and it shows the physical combination for your cerebral, you know, and a lot of fighters, that's a, Obviously, you've had a 7-1 amateur career, 5-0 and now pro, so you've had a lot of fights and some other um, martial arts type thing to really combine the way you think with also your body because sometimes people go too much on instincts, burn their arm out, things like that. It sounds like you have a game plan of where you want to be. You mentioned uh, finishing all your fights, all five pro fights have, like you said, been finished on the ground. Three have been by stoppage, TKO, KO, stoppage, and two uh, by submission. When you get, which is incredible, to be 5-0, and oh, all finishes, that's just a great 100% finishing rate. It's great. When you get on the ground in one of those three positions, do, do you have a preference in your mind between uh, a TKO, KO, stoppage, or a submission? Or to you, is it all the same as long as you finish the fight? Um, all right. So, to be honest, like, after the fact – like, I think TKOs are good. I, I like, I think I like the TKO better. Um, but in the fight, I'm not thinking that. Like, I, I'm going to take whatever, whatever's given mm, to me. Sure. If that makes sense. It does. And it, it's, it's a reason why you're undefeated as a pro, uh, a May fighter, because if you get too picky, we've seen people stick to a game plan that was more about show. And obviously you need to be showy. You need to have the fans behind you, but you also need to get wins. Um, and so, like you said, if you're in a position where you can grab, you've had a Kimura, if you can grab a submission, a submission still a stoppage. Uh, but yes, I know what you're saying. You're saying that when, when the fight's over and your arm's getting raised, having a, a finish that's a KO or a TKO feels a little bit more uh, exciting. But 
either way, a, a win's a win. And obviously this was a big win. Um, and I'm, I'm always going to ask this question when it comes to um, particularly regional fighters, but I'll ask you is you took a, you took an undefeated pro and an undefeated amateur undefeated in all his MMA. Why, why is it important for you to take matches like that versus maybe a guy who's, uh, you know, five and three as a pro, or, you know, one of those more mid-level pros. Why, why take a guy like Andre, who's another Andre, why, why take a guy like Andre Hall when you were saying yes to this fight? Okay. So I don't mean to correct you, but I have to, oh, please, um, please Andre do. Hall was four, four and one. Oh so my goodness! He did have one All right. loss in his career. Four and one. Gotcha. Please with correct that me. That was said, great. All right. With, with that being said, I have yeah. taken all of the fights. Right. Mm. I have taken yeah. the fights against the guy that was one and two. I have fought the guy that was one and one. I have fought the guy mm. that was, you know, uh, nine and ten. You know, with the with right. way more experience. And sure. like. As an amateur, I had fought guys that were, you know, four and one, four and oh. Mm -hmm. So, like, this was, like, the only, like, it was time, you know? Sure. Um, I, I was brought up in, in, with Art of War, like, the proper way, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I didn't go out and, and fight the guy with 20 fights in my debut, mm -hmm. you know? I was, sure. I, was, I, was, I was matched properly, and um, it was time. It was time to take a step up in competition and, and see where my skills lied. And, um, and like, I'm happy that like it, it it's for further assurance that like w the level that I'm at. Absolutely. You brought up something I, I was going to bring up, which is the fact that all of your pro fights have been with art of war, Mike Pickens uh, promotions, which is an incredible promotion and also a good number of your, of your amateur fights. How did you come about getting connected to Art of War as an amateur? And talk a little bit, you've already mentioned that they brought you up the right way. Talk a little bit about Mike Pickens as a promoter and also um, sort of developing you as a fighter to go to the future. You're the um, pro 185 pound champ. Obviously, you, you know, you have the belt, you're keeping the belt. Kind of talk a little bit about Art of War and Mike Pickens. Um, so Mike, Mike has, um, Mike is really good at, at what he does when, when he put, when he puts his time and effort into promotion, like he's, he's really good at it. Um, you know, he got the, uh, the picture of, um, my name on the, uh, Megatron at the Phillies game. I don't know if you've ever saw that, wow. but like, dude, that's like genius marketing. Um, Cheers. and like, so yeah. he's very good in that aspect. But to be honest, like my contact has always been Dave Feldman. Feldman has always okay. been um, my dad. Um, I I'll tell you a funny story. Um, when they were when 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 Dave's son was wrestling in the youth club um, with me when we were growing up, my dad right. was also a coach, and uh, his his son didn't want to go to a wrestling tournament, and one of the other coaches was giving him a bunch of crap. And my dad kind of stood up for him and was like, nah, like, if he doesn't want to, like, don't push him. Like, he's eight years old. Like, there's no reason for that. And right. Dave always – Dave remembered that and has always taken care of me because of it. And, um, you know, like, I, I have to he, – he, he has always been my contact within Art of War. Um, he's also the matchmaker for Bare Knuckle. But um, he, you know, he still has, like um, – 
um, an interest in MMA and, uh, sure. and yeah, so he, he has looked out for me very well. Um, he's a good guy. And, um, you know, he was one of the guys that was like, it's re- you're ready for a step up in competition. And, um, you know, I think this guy's the perfect, perfect opponent. Well, that goes into a lot. First off, a huge shout out to Dave Thelman and the uh, the Bare Knuckle Boxing. For people that don't know, they need to check that out. He holds a lot of fights all over the place. Florida, I think he's going out west again soon. And they're signing a lot of big name, big, big name, Hector Lombard, big name fighters, a lot of uh, ex or former UFC fighters. So, uh, But it is, it is, it does, does go to the importance of proper matchmaking, particularly at the upper level amateur and developmental pro, um, because a lot of times um, promoters or managers, uh, promotions mismanage early pros and either give them nothing but tomato cans or give them too many tough fights and then and then they get kind of washed out. So that's that's big. Now that you've had, I mean, we're talking three days post fight here, three or four days post fight, and it's great that you've come on. Um, what's what do you do a couple of days post a pro fight? Kind of what traditions do you have? Sort of what's your process for getting back to training? You've obviously had five pro wins, five pro fights. So have you developed a, a type of a, of a plan or does it depend on your injury level or kind of what happened in the fight? Um, you know, fight to fight. So Saturday, the, the art of war did the weekend show again. This is the second time they did back to back shows on a weekend. Yep. So um, I was cornering my teammate Pat Brady on Saturday, which, mm-hmm. oh my, is that an emotional roller coaster? I think that I would rather be in the cage, to be honest. I was more nervous in the corner than I am in the cage. But that was, it was, the commissioners came up to us after the fight and was, were like, that's the greatest heavyweight fight I've ever seen in this arena. So it was an awesome experience. And um, so I was, I was there, I was back in the arena Saturday, right back to work, corner of my guys, trying to get them ready, you know, balance studios went, um, went six and zero on the weekend. Mm. So uh, it was a good weekend for sure. Um, uh, and then um, Sunday um, I was, I was, uh, I had to get some, I got some cryo on my, on my shin and my ankle. I had uh, my my ankle was pretty swollen. I think I either kicked his elbow or his hip mm. on that liver kick, and so I was you know some some trying to do some proper recovery from that. Sure. And um, I always go to uh, Cryo Mist on the main line. Um, Jeff Kelmer owns that, and he always takes care of me. And then uh, you know I, I'm I'm close to being able to have fighting be my sole source of income like I'm not there yet so like I I was right back to work today and what's and what's your work um I do like property maintenance for a family in Gladwin um they own tugboats and so um their office is in Camden and they just sold the office Mm. so we're down there clearing a lot of the uh the metal and like the workshops and clearing a lot of those offices out. Sure. Well, that's great that you're almost at a point where you could be a full-time pro fighter. Um, That's a big thing that comes up a lot when I'm doing these podcasts that 
uh, uh, many, many, I would say the vast majority of pro fighters when they start out are not full-time pro fighters. And if they are, it's because they're running a gym or, or doing something else related to making money through training other people. Um, so it's great that you have a job that you can get back to and that you're healthy enough, even with the ankle to get back to a physical labor type, uh, type job. Um, yeah, what what are you looking down the road? Do you have kind of like a game plan or is it just going to depend on kind of what fights happen with how long you'll stay uh, dual employed? Um, you were saying that you're almost there. Do you give a, do you have a timeline or is it just going to have to wait and see? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think if you talk to any pro fighter that they would say that a huge milestone in their career yeah. is either either a milestone or a goal in their career, they could look back and say, was the day that fighting paid the bills and became like the right. sole source of income? That, and I think any fighter would say that. Even if you ask whoever, they would say, the day I didn't have to work and fighting paid the bills was a great milestone in my career. To anyone starting fighting would say the same thing. They'd say, dude, one day, I, I can't wait for the day when fighting pays the bills and that's all I have to do. Sure. With that with that being said, um, you know, I think that I, I, it's always been a dream to open my own gym. And I think that mm. uh, soon I, I will do that. Now, whether soon is in six months, a year or five years, I'm, I'm not really sure. There's some some uh, moving pieces to that. But of course. Um, I don't necessarily have to work right now. Um, but I think I just choose to based on like security. Sure. Cause like in this, I mean, you know, just as much as anyone else in this job, in this career, I mean, I could just as easily get kicked in the head tomorrow and my fighting career be over. So sure. I think that, yeah. um, a little bit of financial security, uh, goes a long way. And that's why I choose to continue to go to work. And also having, as great as it would be to only focus on MMA, there is something healthy. I've had a lot of guys, I did a whole series this summer on the Dana White Contender Series guys, um, which is obviously yeah. a big milestone for them to be able to fight on the Tuesday night Contender Series. And I think only one of those guys was already full-time, you know, fighter. Most of them were balancing, kind of like you're talking about, building up. And a lot of them brought up the fact that there's something nice, and obviously you'll get there eventually where you're a full-time fighter, but there's something nice about turning your brain off from fighting and going to work that's unrelated, you know, doing something like you're talking about property maintenance because you have a job and you can get it done and you feel sort of distracted and different. It's not fighting all the time. You even mentioned that some fighters, they go full fighting's paying my bills and it's this huge rocket ship, you know, everything gets better, but sometimes guys kind of fall apart as far as like almost too much training, whether it's not enough recovery, you've mentioned the value of recovery or not, not knowing how to get a good balance. Um, but certainly that's why you just have to work a step at a time with what works for you. Um, and that'll go the same way. Um, if, and when you go towards the gym, it's the same thing. Sometimes I've had fighters come on and talk about how opening a gym, uh, help them as a fighter because man, it's all you do, but sometimes opening a gym, kind of becomes you become more of a coach and a trainer than a fighter. So it's all about balance. And obviously you're headed in the right direction, which is, uh, which is huge. So. 
Absolutely. So here's not. a question that that jumps out of you specifically, but you're obviously at 185 pounds. Is that I wanted to ask you about sort of when you when you look at let's say the UFC, which right now Robert Whitaker just dropped out of a potential re, a potential fight with uh, Ansanio the champ because he's donating bone marrow to his daughter who's sick, which is a beautiful thing. But how much do you look at either 170 or 185 in the UFC and, and start kind of looking at the style?